Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stopped. The ballet of the good city never repeats itself from place to place. And in any one place, it is always replete with new observations. Faith, you'll have to take over here from me. I've lost our intro song. You want me to sing something? Um, Please, yes. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that. Oh, we could start with some bicycle moments. We could. I'm sorry about that. I missed the button. Who was the uh, quote from today, Val? The quote is actually we're celebrating um, the 100th anniversary of Jane Jacobs' birthday in May. Those of us who are not au fait with Jane Jacobs, if you think of any sort of inner-city neighbourhood that hasn't been bulldozed for freeways, tollways and other such things, you could probably think... Jane Jacobs for that, wrote a book called The Death and Life of Great American Cities. This was around the late 50s, mid-60s, where the battles were fought in New York, San Francisco, Seattle, a lot of cities in America to stop, um, who's the great European architect, Le Corbusier? Corbusier. And his idea of... um, the vision of a radiant city meant that it was completely dissected by freeways. Cars were going to be the circulation, the lifeblood of the city. Now we know they're just the plaque on the veins. Now everyone needs a bypass. (laughs) (laughs) Giving us blockages and heart attacks. Um, She also, if you've ever uh, walked down some of the canyons uh, up in Queen Street in that end of town, she had a term for some of those things. She called it the blight of dullness that came from all that brutalist architecture that all it produces, windswept. It does. Nobody (laughs) nobody populates them. Uh, Anyway, if it hadn't been for Jane Jacobs... Um, Washington Square Park wouldn't be there anymore, Greenwich Village wouldn't be there, Soho wouldn't be there, Little Italy wouldn't be there. That's just in New York. The shame of it, now they're very high-priced, over-the-top living places and not places for people to live in the inner city. We've got a big show coming up today, as usual, and normal bike events and news. Plus today we're going to try and tie a bridge from one continent to the other by using bikes. (laughs) East Coast of Africa, 
where we all came from, needs our help to get more bikes on the road. <laughs> and to help us along that path, when Jiku yes. is here today on the tandem with us. Jumbo. <laughs> Jumbo. <laughs> good, good morning. And Peter from Jumbo. Bicycles Humanity is here with us and as well ever-trusting captain of the tandem, Faith. <laughs> Faith, a bike Just moment. enormously relieved she's not having to sing. <laughs> we'll have the sing-along after. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, I had a, a few bike moments on Saturday. We had a pushy women ride to the slow food farmer's market at Abbotsford Convent that, um, if anyone recalls, that day he involved several downpours of Quite heavy rain and then bright sunshine, so it uh, it made for an exhilarating and uh, sometimes quite adventurous ride, but um, very enjoyable one too. It's my bike moment. Step up to the plate. <laughs> well, my bike moment. My name is Wanjiko, and back in Kenya, I remember my first time actually to ride a bicycle. I fell off a bicycle, and from that moment, I, you know, I swear that I'll never go back on a bicycle <laughs> until now. <laughs> so we are right now. We are looking for this campaign of bicycle for humanity. So we are looking forward to talk about that. So yeah. we are, yeah. Peter. And from my end, um, down near Port Ferry, I can remember uh, my first bike, which was a big old rally and was built like the proverbial, and I had to ride it each morning about two miles to catch the bus. And I can recall, and sometimes during the winter, it was pretty cold, but that bike got me there every day without fail, and I shan't ever forget that wonderful old bike. (laughs) Then I got a horse. (laughs) (laughs) How many speeds on the rally? Just one. one. (laughs) Slow. Interesting story, Rally. All the components on that bike would have been built in one factory. Really? In Nottingham. It was the start of the sort of bike boom, and uh, Rally were the sort of, I'm going to say, the Microsoft of the bike world really? to begin with. It's probably the first uh, time that a, a company actually deliberately changes standards so that you have to use all their parts on their bikes, which we see repeated over mm. and over and over again. Yeah. And if you Google it, there is a great little film made in what looks like the 40s or 50s about the factory and and following a bike from design through the manufacture process to when it leaves the factory. Mm. Somewhere on the internet that's hanging out. I shall have a look. (laughs) Nothing like Google it. (laughs) Nottingham soft steel. (laughs) Uh, For um, anybody who's... uh, part of their communities from the south to the north or the north to the south would realise that Napier Street is one of the great bicycle superhighways of Melbourne, especially for that group of people. There's always been a little bit of a problem, though, getting to the end of Napier Street and then getting across Victoria Parade so you can continue on down south. Now, long-time listeners might remember Mm. eight months ago, I said they'd put some lights up there for the bicycles. And they sat there and sat there, not connected, and sat there for a bit longer. Imagine my shock and horror when I rocked up the other day and there was somebody pushing the button and a little green bike came on. Takes time. Takes time. (laughs) But one of those funny things, because you ride the same 
roughly the same yeah. commute all the time. You're used to actually the cycle of lights. They get a left turn now, then we get a little bit forward, then somebody else goes, and as soon as they changed it all, they threw the whole. I don't think this is a problem they're going to have in Wanjuku's part of the world just yet, <laughs> I hope. No. What do you think? For sure, that's not the case. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because our dream and hope is to actually give back to the community of Kisiri, and that is in Kenya. That's where I come from. And we're hoping that we can build the bridge from Australia to Kenya, where these bikes come from. And that's why I'm here right now, to learn more about them. And then when we get back to Kenya, these people know where these bikes are coming from. from. And uh, the whole idea is to actually to empower these people through the bicycle for humanity. Yeah. Too right. Yeah. Well, as you know, Val, uh, I've been associated with you and Second Chance and Bicycles for Humanity for some years now. And um, that's where we come in. And we, we're hoping that Bicycles for Humanity will get behind this project into Kenya. At the moment, um, well, for a long time now, actually, we've been connected with the organisation called Ben Namibia, which is Bicycle Empowerment Network, which is was set up by Michael Linke from uh, this part of the world, actually. He lived in this part of the world and spent some time travelling in Africa and thought all those bikes back home ought to be better used. And I think there's something like over 200,000 bikes have gone into various parts of Africa as a result of Michael setting up Ben Namibia on the west side of Africa but now uh, it's extended into Zambia and other countries, and um, this is a big opportunity for us to get behind a project moving into Kenya. And maybe just for our listeners, uh, Peter, you could do a brief recap on what happens when the bikes are collected here and the container mm. goes over, because I, I know we've had a few people on the show talking about it over the years, but if uh, maybe just to fill people in on yeah. what the process is. It's a critical part of the process. I think it sort of came about by accident uh, in that you send a container full of bikes to Africa and they go to a community somewhere uh, in a village and the, the, at the beginning um, the idea was that they need somewhere to work out of. So the the container, the 40-foot container, which transports the bikes from Melbourne and other parts of the world, um, then stays on. We donate that. So we have to find the money to, to buy that. We donate that. And then there's a huge transformation of that container into a workshop. The bikes aren't just given away. They are sold at a very small amount, for a very small amount of money to people who are really needy and who need to have a transport solution to their to their life. Uh, but part of the deal is that under Ben Namibia, um, the people that then run that uh, workshop, it becomes a little business and they get six weeks of training to ensure that they know how to put that whole thing together. So the, the container becomes the business, which becomes the, the hub, and 40% of the money that comes out of that, apart from wages and so on, uh, goes back into the community, the support community. So it's a very good model. And Wendy, could you want to tell us uh, what you're hoping will happen when uh, one of these containers gets to your part? Tell us a bit about your part of the world and why people need bicycles. Uh, basically, my part is uh, I got a school in Kenya, which I started seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And also it's a part of the community where we are looking to work with this program. 
And through that, uh, because uh, I started the school about seven years ago, and it's in the Maasai area, where also the employment is very, you know, we don't have a lot of employment where we feel that uh, with this project coming through to Peter, that we can work together where we'll be able to give back to the community through the bikes program. And I'm here to learn more about it. And as we go around getting the continent at the other end, we'll be able to use it, as Peter have said, that uh, to turn it into a workshop and also training people. And because we have an organization at the end in Kenya who are also waiting for that to receive the container, everything is set up there. And as soon as the container gets there, we'll be able to work into that. Our hope is also to get people from here also to be able to train us on the other end. And that's why right now I'm here to be able to do that. Where did the original, at some stage you've tied bikes together with trying to solve a problem. Yes. Where did that come from? Uh, Mostly actually come back from uh, from my our community mostly. It's where my school is. I used to live here in Australia, you know, uh, about uh, seven years ago I went back to Kenya where I started a school in the community where I went and uh, studied a school to give back to the kids who don't have education yeah. and who are not able to go to school. So uh, coming down here to Australia, actually I've been doing sort of a fundraising and mostly based in Melbourne. And through that I have been able to meet with different organizations and different people who also we have actually come connected because this program connects with the project of giving back to the community, the school. And also we're gonna, we are looking the bikes project as a way of also involving the student and other school and actually having sort of a way to have race, you know, racing the bicycles in other way. So basically, it's not only like, uh, you know, turning the bicycle into workshops in, you know, in Kenya, where we are in Kisirian, uh, mostly people can use, individuals can turn that into mostly like turning it into a motorbike or something, you know, a business as an individual. It doesn't have to be in a container, taking a bicycle itself and, you know, make it as a transport or build something which with two wheelers. So... There is all different ideas which we can use bicycles for, for. not only like just as a workshop or just going through that. It's how you can give someone something and then turn it into something to work for them. And that means if like it's sport-oriented, we can create that as an event which you can get together, I think, through the sports where people we can go and raise funds in a different way through the bicycle, yeah. Does that mean we're... Apart from, say, commuting, which is using a bike for transportation, a lot of us use bikes just for fun. Mm -hmm. But in Kenya, I would imagine the delivery of medicines, teachers, nurses, having a bike would actually change the number of people they see, the less time they spend, I assume, walking from one village to the other. Actually, that's a big part. We are mostly uh, our school is about uh, 15 minutes from the uh, central, from the town. And basically, to get there, we have to walk. And that means even if it's raining or sometimes, you know, when it's hot, getting on a bicycle will be much easier for some people. You know, it will be easier for most of the people if they can get that means of transport. And also, there is no transportation where also if you want to go to the shop. And there are those small businesses who are trying to get from very remote area from the city, from the town, to go and buy something to get back into the village. That would be a big way of really, you know, yeah, using it as a transport would be really a great way to use bicycles. Well, you've seen how bikes have been transformed into all sorts of conveyances. 
There's uh, a lot of bike butchery yeah. going on out there. That's one way of describing it. <laughs> but to transport um, uh, feed for cattle, you know, cutting grass and moving stuff around is an important part of life. Uh, to walk somewhere um, can take hours in distant parts of many parts of Africa. And I lived in Africa when I was a young guy for a while, not far from on the other side of Kilimanjaro. Yes. We, were <laughs> yes. we were neighbours, weren't we? <laughs> Back then. And... From my own experience, I could see the importance uh, of a bike. Um, to have a bike was regarded as you've achieved something pretty big, and a lot of people would spend probably a whole day walking into town and back out again just to go to a doctor or mm. go to someone yeah. that needed to see someone who's sick in a hospital or something yes. like that. Uh, so bikes can transform and will transform the area in which Wanduka comes from, I'm sure, but it'll also give activity for young people who need to move around and be fit and healthy it's a very important part of life and i'm sure that uh it will make a big difference to life in her area the maasai tribe um, are not living like they used to they don't just live in bomas so there's big changes that manjika has been telling me about and uh, there's not a lot of the the problems i've had in the past there's more integration of people yes and um the tribes in the area are getting along much better than they've ever done before. So there's not a lot of that tribalism problem. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a great success out of this uh, program. Are, and you, are you ready to go back? I'd love to go back, yeah. I haven't been invited. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, we're, 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 we're looking at somebody who, who might uh, ask yes, you. Yes. <laughs> Basically, we need those bicycles to get him over so he there can teach. Yeah. It's time, time to do some smart. most welcome, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, it would be lovely to go back and maybe one day when I retire. <laughs> we should emphasise, I mean, the Bikes for Humanity has been going for eight, nine. Is yes, it got it's around nine years. It's around nine years. Yes, since Matt not, started it. These are not things that have just come and gone. Somebody comes up with the idea and no. yeah. put the container on the ship. And We're on our 15th and we, container now. It's ready to go this week. Yeah. Ready to go this week. And yeah. I think the, the stories that come back about the transformations, like because this one sort of bike workshop opened in a town and people were able to get to jobs and other people mm. were working, someone else was then able to open a store selling food or uh, other items. Yep. And it, it just shows that it's... Yeah, it is like you've been saying so much more than just the bicycle. That's for sure. Nurses being able to, I think midwives getting to pregnant women was one of the things that made a huge difference. If they their radius was that much bigger, that can make a huge impact. That's for sure because uh, the same thing when what Peter mentioned is about when someone sometimes they get sick and there is no way of getting to the city, mm. you can actually, it's very strange, you can put someone on the bicycle. You find a way. There was a story here once where a man used a wheelbarrow to take his wife mm. to the doctor, you know, because there was no other way to get there. Well, and bicycle you know? ambulances. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that is yeah. a part of really getting that work for, for us in Kenya. So if anyone's interested in getting in touch with you about this project, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, info at Bicycles for Humanity will get you there by email and uh, our website is quite exp- expansive, you might yep. say. Uh, Bikes for Humanity is looked that up uh, and that'll take you to the chapter of Victoria. This is a Victorian chapter. Each state has a chapter, or not all states, mm-hmm. but most in Australia. But we're particularly interested in this particular program. 
um, because we have other reasons to support Kenya too. Yep. So, and we'll you, have a link up also on the, on podcast. the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people we thank three CR for long time support. <laughs> right, right from the beginning. I think you said, didn't you, Val? Yes, I think it was probably one of Matt's first hit radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a lot more nervous than you are today, though. No, he's like that. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody sitting at home listening to the podcast or listening on the transistor, go down to the shed. Open the doors up. Mm. Look at those bikes that you mm. meant to do something about last year. Now's the time to clean up. Give somebody else a chance to use them. Or, or think about making donations too because yes. the sending containers overseas, they have to. there's heavy machinery involved in moving them on and off the docks yep. and they cost a lot of money themselves. Yeah. So um, the bikes are great. Would it be naughty um, to mention bicycles, uh, bicycle superstore no, as no. a drop-off no. point? No, no. Any bicycle superstore will accept bikes for us uh, and support the program tremendously. So that it makes it more efficient for us that we get a call, we make a call to them in their various stores, and each Friday we go and do a pickup at any one of those stores, and we take those bikes to Dingley, um, where we have a location which is donated by. Uh, another Ben, <laughs> who happens to own that site and has been fantastic in his support. So we have a space there uh, where we collect the bikes, process them, and put them in the shipping container before they head off. And if you haven't got any old bikes or you haven't got any spare cash, but you've got plenty of time, there's an opening for volunteers at Bikes. Always an opening for people to give us a hand, uh, and we will send out an email when we have our next working bee. It costs about $20 a bike to get it to Africa. Uh, so we need a bit of cash. We get support from various areas. But uh, if anybody is donating a bike and thinking of doing that, uh, a few dollars would make it even better. And we'll put a name on a bike or do whatever we need to do to ensure that that bike gets to its useful location. It is really recycling the bicycle. Yep. We're going to be back after this short break. This panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street, Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves, heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go... In a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters, to join in in saying... Happy birthday, 3CR. You're back on the Yarrabug Bicycle Show, a show about bikes, riding them, fixing them, loving them. A little bit of news coming along, Faith? 
oh. Mr. Navalny has won the second. Uh, he's won he his, has. Well, I'm going to whiz through this a little bit. Um, Mr. Navalny has won his second Giro. Giro. Been a great race. Four, I think, four different leaders in five days yes. in the last yes. five days. One was in front, rode into a sandbag, no, yeah. a snowbank. Anyway, a very uh, great watching, and of course, great to see. Uh, he's a wonderful cyclist, I've got to say. Not much character, but just lays it on the. He just kills them. Other news? Oh, there was a uh, a community bike ride yesterday, calling for to support the idea of the separated bike lanes on St Kilda Road. That's an issue that both City of Melbourne and City of Port Phillip have been behind for a while. Um, this ride on Sunday morning was actually organised by two of the Greens, a candidate for Melbourne Ports and the MP for Paran. Um, nice day for it too, they had after Saturday. Oh, perfect. And if you've been waiting to hear from the news about how... Uh, the new fines in New South Wales have made bicycle <laughs> riders so much safer. Um, after three months, uh, some interesting figures. Um, not much good. 1,545 fines for cyclists. Four for motorists. Of the cyclist fined, 1,100 for not wearing seatbelts. Of the other ones, the second highest fined... 166 people were fined for riding on the footpath. The take-home dollar so far is at $385,000 in fines collected. Go New South Wales. That's progressive, isn't it? We're right behind you, New South Wales. Uh, Events, events. Yeah, coming up uh, this Saturday, actually, is the next instalment in the Squeaky Wheel and Cycle Styles Westy Women Rides. These are women-only rides around Footscray exploring different food cultures, and the theme for June is a cuppa and a bicky. These always sell out really, really, really quickly. Um, no pie? So, uh, <laughs> no, no <bicks. laughs> So if you are interested, then go and check out the link at thesqueakywheel.com.au. There's two rides, one on the June the 4th and one on the 18th. And if you've got a penchant for dressing up, <laughs> dressing up your bike and going for a ride around Melbourne, the Melbourne Road Bay is coming up at the end of next month. Make sure you plan your costume. Yes. It could be a winner. June 26th, Hawthorne Velodrome. I've got to tell you a funny bike moment, actually. I was down the street buying something and my bike was parked out the front and myself and another customer both walked out of the shop and he looked at my bike he said, I know you. You ride on the Roubaix, don't you? I said, I do. He said, we've got a great costume for this year. We're going to turn our bike into Thomas the Tank Engine. Smoke coming out of it and everything. On Roubaix Day, there was Thomas yep. the Tank Engine. Fantastic. Won every prize that was there. <laughs> and I wasn't one of the judges. <laughs> he recognised your bike and not you. <laughs> As you would. Story, yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen my bike. <laughs> and that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much to Wanjiku and Peter for coming into the studio. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners, so if you'd like to make a donation or subscribe to the station, you can do so at 3cr.org.au. And a reminder that next week is our Radiothon, so we'll be asking you to... Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 
3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.